The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, great to have everyone back here. Reminder, we're just doing two days a week for now, since we're probably not really going to have an offseason. We're taking it now, but once we get some clarification and training camp starts ramping up again, we'll be back in our usual five days per week schedule. Got some news to get to. Then, of course, we're going to finish out Danny's battle plans series. Talk about how we'd be looking at the long-term plans for the Northwest Division, were we in command of those franchises. But start with the latest news here mr larue it we're starting to get the first general contours of what a timeline could look like obviously there is no guarantee that that is going to be the case you know moving forward that we're that it's going to definitely be this timeline but the early things um so the nba it's looking like they might recall players uh for an in-market quarantine around june 1st early june at some point there then maybe start something more formalized in mid-june and then start games in mid-july for selfish reasons this is exceedingly exciting for unselfish reasons if it works this is very exciting but it is worth reminding and emphasizing that there is still a lot that needs to be figured out yeah you've got some players overseas right now you've got the canada u.s border where the raptors even talk about maybe just establishing a new base in the u.s to not have to deal with all of the quarantine issues uh, where you've got whether when you go across borders you basically have a 14-day quarantine so the players who are in europe uh, are going to have to deal with that report indicating that it could be around june 1st that adam silver might start issuing guidance for teams having permission to reassemble in the u.s uh, still don't know exactly where that's going to be other reports indicating that walt disney world in orlando is almost certainly going to be on that list there's also talk of Las Vegas and uh, I thought Jared Dudley's uh, comments uh, were interesting Uh, he's been uh, a bit of a conduit uh, to the media uh, about some of these preliminary plans and what the bubble could look like yeah and I mean we don't know exactly how representative his comments were I I would listen to it significantly more if it were a member of leadership like Chris Paul but what Dudley was saying is that the uh, and uh, Tanya Gugli I think is the first person who who tweeted about this that he said there's a misconception of the bubble concept when the season restarts that they wouldn't be confined but basically they would get tested if they came back in and if they caught COVID-19 then obviously they wouldn't be able to play 
and the permeability of the bubble is an extremely challenging and important question to answer, not only because it is about the viability of, you know, like players and everything like that, but also, you know, the happiness, what what, what is acceptable for each side in terms of risk, in terms of comforts and everything else like that. The, the, it is extremely important to, to make sure that everybody's on the same page because that's the only way it's going to work. Yeah, and I've talked about this and I, I think it's starting to come into focus with some of Jarek's comments. One of the things he said was, you know, you're going to be allowed to leave. His thought was if you return to the bubble, then you have to get tested. Although with the some of the research that we've done in the COVID pod, it takes really quite some time after being infected before you can reliably have a positive test. So, I mean, if you're going to leave the bubble to go out to dinner or something and come back and get tested, I mean, I think it's just good to have more testing overall. But the idea that you just got infected on this trip away from the bubble and you come back and get tested and it's going to show up positive, that's uh, not realistic. The other thing he said was, you know, LeBron and AD, they're so important, like they're not going to leave at all. And I think that's one of the things that I have kind of predicted is, you know, there's going to be a lot of peer pressure to not go out and get potentially infected, especially especially for these teams that are really taking it seriously, like the Lakers and like could potentially be a championship contender. You know, I think if you're, it's unclear whether they're going to still do regular season games or not. But if you're one of these teams that's just going back there for six games, just so you can fulfill these regional TV contracts at 70 games, you're probably not really going to care that much. But of course, those guys could mess it up for everyone else um and the other thing that i think just is not being talked about enough is okay you're bringing your family I mean, certain numbers of people are allowed inside the bubble. Is there any policing on those people? Are they allowed to just leave whenever they want? Because I, I think they, people around a player are much more likely to be irresponsible than the player himself. So that's a, another part of this that I think uh, really needs to be dealt with. Also, uh, well, and- are you allowed to have people from outside the bubble come visit you? Uh, yeah. That, that is another question. Well, and, and you, you alluded to it before, but I think one of the most important questions is is are we talking about all 30 teams or are we talking about 16 because the logistics of getting 30 teams worth of players and staff and coaches to Disney World or where, where, however they're going to administer this is so much more onerous and if it's for a couple of regular season games that those teams aren't going to care particularly about i think that it's a it's a big mistake from a from a kind of sustainability health perspective now there i don't know the full financial details and it it would clearly be a financially motivated decision those exist all the time in the world it's you know there there are times that's an unnecessary risk and everything else like that i don't know enough to say specifically though i have a feeling on it but i just i'm concerned that opening that door especially because those individuals won't be as invested in where it goes that you you kind of cast too wide a net for a very very small comparative reason and that it could jeopardize the far bigger thing that the NBA wants to accomplish which is have a full playoffs and determine a champion well and it seems so dumb to me that you would have I I mean this gets back to the fact that the end of the regular season is like pretty dumb for a lot of teams anyway but it seems so dumb to me to have a bunch of 
teams going where they just they have no chance of winning anything and continuing their season now you can also make the argument that these players want to just come in they want to make their money that that it's in their interest to, to do so to not lose as much money they're what? basically going to be getting paid perhaps pro rata uh, on would you be okay with an game? idea something that i was spitballing a few days ago was the idea that it would because i don't think you have to play the exact games that were specified of putting the non-playoff teams in a different location and just having them yeah. play enough games to fulfill the contract against each other and then <laughs> not have them yeah the, the, they could win like the losers cup or something sure yeah i mean can put something else on it because i mean especially in the east we already know who the eight playoff teams are going to be like that's not there there is no ambiguity so for those teams it's just it's just a way for a paycheck and if it's just kind of a perfunctory to to get it that way put those teams in houston or vegas or whatever and then have the other teams at disney world and it's and, and you could even you could even theoretically maybe run it concurrent to the playoffs so the way i would do it this this is my overall theory here is you have the warm-up games for the playoff teams count as regular season games for seeding and but if you're only playing five or six it's not going to mean too much but not for eligibility within the playoffs and then you have everybody else playing for i don't know nothing if you have to do those games but which playing i wish they for didn't. the same dumb things that they're playing for before this whole thing started like, yeah i, I mean it, i guess they, they would at least be playing against playoff teams they could like be a spoiler there's i mean there's still guys who are trying to establish their career there's i, I mean I, I think there is especially after having not played for so long i don't i don't know it's hard for me to say i mean i i think some teams might just be happy to be back out there again you know if you're golden state and you've been in the finals the last five years and now they want you to just come back and play for 10 games when you're not playing for anything you know that that's a different thing than say atlanta that really you know wants to clint capella hasn't played with them yet they want to build some continuity you've got young guys trying to establish their careers um so and, and i mean between i think young guys would probably be a lot more interested in playing yes than vets would um again because you know if you're Stephen curry or draymond green you know like what, what point is it is all this right so um but if you're michael Mulder or uh you know marquise chris then uh, you're in a different situation um yeah I, I was gonna say i mean i really i'm saddened that it doesn't seem like they're gonna try to do any kind of play-in type of thing at all so that's uh that, that's kind of too bad um, anything more on that or we got a little more news to get here I, I think that's about all that we need to to get to on the return to play front collectively. Uh, but yeah, there are a couple of a couple of important pieces of news. The most significant because it's to a locked in playoff team is Bojan Bogdanovic, starting small forward for the Utah Jazz, is under underwent season ending wrist surgery on his right wrist. And the even though we don't know exactly when the 2020-21 season is going to start, it sounds like Bogdanovich will miss the remainder of this season in the playoffs and will be back for next season. Yeah, apparently the wrist that had been giving him trouble throughout the year, he still managed to shoot 41% uh, from three-point range. But in workouts, uh, it, it was still bothering him. And so, I mean, this is significant here. Like, uh, I mean, Utah can slot Joe Ingles back into that starting group. No more controversy over whether Mike Conley... Uh, is going to start now uh, they'll put uh, donovich really was uh, probably more accurate to say he was their starting four yeah i guess that's true um but so now it'll be royce o'neill in that position but uh, utah uh, i mean they still got mike conley instead of ricky rubio so they're not right back where they were last playoffs where they just couldn't hit a three-pointer against houston but this is a massive dent in their ability to even 
win a, a first round series and i think I, I might have even favored them over say denver and definitely would have over okc and i'm not saying they can't beat those teams still but this is bogdanovich gave them some offensive explosiveness that they're just not going to have anymore now he was averaging 20 points a game yeah and it, theoretically if they just held the bracket for right now utah would be facing oklahoma city in the in the four or five i believe the thunder win the tiebreaker over the rockets because of one of those games that they won over them in the regular season uh so yeah that it it is a specific series that would be a a, a more of a challenge for them without bogdanovich yeah and that contract he signed four years 73 million kind of wasted now you know i mean and and this was supposed to be the good year of that right because he's uh, 30 years old and he played very well he lived up to that contract I think and then some and so Utah not a deep team that's the other thing you always talk about of just the replacement for the replacement now they don't have Royce O'Neal yeah that, that's Pelton wrote a good piece on this about like yeah you slide Joe Ingles theoretically and then Ingles isn't the player right now that Bogdanovich is but then also how do you figure out the rest of the rotation yeah I mean it's going to be more George Niang and Jordan Clarkson I mean the, I guess Emmanuel Moutier might play more now as they move guys down the positional spectrum a, a little bit um, they also don't really Bogdanovich at least had some size at that position too he wasn't a good rebounder but he at least had some bulk uh, and uh, O'Neal now is really going to be their only guy at that position uh, some good news is that this is a couple weeks old here but Andre Robertson said on a podcast that he feels like he's close to returning I mean I would be very skeptical after all this missed time it's been more than two years since he's played remember he had the torn patellar tendon and then he tried to come back the next year had to have another surgery and ultimately uh, it was just never been able to return suppose he was rehabbing by himself back in LA but I mean he could give them some depth that you'd rather have him at a four probably than like Darius Baisley so uh well and it would uh, also uh, be great for him to show some sort of health before he hits unrestricted for agency I don't know that Robertson's going to get much of a guaranteed contract anywhere but at least he could maybe drum up more interest in terms of players on the margins to get into a better situation and finally for the Warriors Kevon Looney uh, he underwent surgery yesterday in Philadelphia to repair a core muscle injury those could be tricky and uh, there'd been talk that he'd had a lot of these uh, abdominal injuries groin issues uh, as he tried to get back and I mean he just had everything go wrong that possibly could with his body and you know he's got all these hip issues as well so so really he'd miss games due to hip soreness and so i mean all that stuff is connected the core groin hips and maybe this surgery will help him but i it seems like there's just like such a cascade in that area for him you really question whether he can get back i mean you're whenever you hear surgery for these guys who have had chronic issues you're like okay well hey maybe they finally figured out the problem and he can fix it now or it's just man like this is yet another issue in this area that just doesn't seem to be getting any better i i kind of skew towards the latter with him just because of so many problems that he's had even in his young career right now yeah i do too and as a point of reference looney for the next season 2020 slash 21 4.8 million and then a player option for 5.2 million for the year after and you might adopt it uh especially in these economic circumstances okay let's take a quick break here and we'll get to the northwest division in just man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 
2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us so okay danny which team in the northwest division most excites you let's let's go to minnesota um the timberwolves they have identified their core as both Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell after making the Wiggins plus 
lightly protected future first for Russell trade at the deadline. I would classify it. Towns is in tier one by himself. Maybe nobody in tier two. Then Russell kind of like a tier three guy. But we have to acknowledge kind of where Minnesota is. And so one of the one of the key questions. Yeah, they would clearly have him higher. They would have yeah. him tier one. Along with Towns. With and and yeah. so let's think about those guys as a package deal. It certainly feels like that's the way things are. And both of them are signed for three more seasons after this one. Then Towns actually has one more beyond that. Uh, so what does that core do well and what flaws do you need help with from the other players in their starting closing five? Shooting, semicolon, defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it, <laughs> All right, should we move on? Uh, <laughs> so, but so, like, I mean, you and I have said for a while that playing with Towns, like the Towns-Russell pairing will do more to help Russell than to help Towns because teams have to, you know, you can't you can't switch with Carl Anthony Towns. He's such a versatile, dominant offensive player. So then that means he'll a screen from Towns will create more space for Russell as the guard scrambles around it, tries to get back, and, and Russell it can be a very good shooter, so that can give him space. I, I do think that that it's a, it's a piece of the equation there that will be useful. And theoretically, um, Russell is a good like Russell is a good in a passer. That if the way that one of the ways t- opponents handle that is by scrambling somebody else to get in the action, Russell ideally will be able to find that other player. So then that makes shooting, even though defense is a bigger overall concern, you want your other players to be good enough shooters that the opponents aren't comfortable just straight up leaving them. Yeah. Uh, Also really important is uh, a player who is comfortable standing on the right side of the court since uh, Russell will be going left every time. Sorry. Sorry. I just, I'm a little scarred from, from watching him. Uh, It was only 33 games that we, we had to watch him for for golden state this year uh but yeah i I think that's a big part of it and ideally what you'd be surrounding those guys with are three awesome three and d players and maybe one of them who could penetrate as well but you know 2018 victor oladipo and they just traded away robert covington and danny green you know those guys aren't necessarily available for this team and you know you'd want one of those guys to provide some help uh, from the wing uh, as well uh, as a good help defense you know jason tatum robert covington those guys those guys aren't coming through that door and so it seems to me like their greatest path which i I think they've acknowledged with wancho hernan gomez and malik beasley is that they just need to go all in uh, on offense i mean you do have Jarrett culver and josh akogi who are both defensively oriented players but are also really guys who struggle to shoot it and so maybe you can mix those guys in some with hernan gomez and beasley to make a, a cogent rotation but I, I think that's that has to me that should be the plan in the long term is we're just going to completely dominate offensively and we're you know if we're in the 20s in defense so be it uh we're we're going to just be one of the best offenses in the league and hope that that has a little bit more magnitude than the defense does another potential wrinkle here is that minnesota as of right now has the third worst record in the nba they are one loss ahead behind of the Cleveland Cavaliers they both have 19 wins uh, and this draft isn't amazing but if they can get a potential player for that rotation like Isaac Okoro is is an interesting one there are a lot more guys that I, I want to watch film on in this general area that could <laughs> oh be yeah that that's what they need is like another guy who might not be able to shoot player who isn't quite as good as his reputation would suggest and who they're trying to develop offensively but ultimately can't shoot that that's exactly what they need is but another 
another wing like that on this team. I mean, maybe someday one of them will hit. There's a chance of it. But but the other big area that I would be interested in how uh, Gerson Rosas and the front office wants to resolve it is power forward. So Nikola Jokic, not not a terrible defensive player, but a limited one in certain respects. And how Tim Connolly and the Nuggets staff handled that was by signing Paul Millsap. And Millsap can handle some of the rim protection, you know, can can fill in some of the gaps that, that Jokic doesn't quite handle. And while usually those players come with an offensive downside and, and the Timberwolves do not have the financial resources to sign a Paul Millsap because they have a lot of money tied up in now Towns and Russell, formerly, and, and James Johnson, I guess, technically, because they traded Jang for him. So they don't have that capacity, but maybe you go more in the defensive, a little bit burlier route at power forward to make life a little easier on Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and the draft is interesting. I, I haven't watched a lot of these players yet, but Obi Toppin, uh, Denny Abdia, is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know yet. Devin Vassell, Okoro. And those are, those are guys who in theory fit what Minnesota would be looking for. Uh, and we, we don't know where they're going to end up uh, in this draft either. But uh, there are some players who, because I mean, they're really looking for more of a role player at that position that maybe they can get someone else uh, who would be in the mix there. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're gonna be in the business of making another win now trade now that they have russell and they're already out a draft pick in what's looking like that loaded 2021 draft but by the way can you imagine what the 2021 draft would look like if there's no college season oh man Oh, man. Uh, And there wasn't like a hoop summit or any like McDonald's game or anything this year either. I mean, oh, God, that would be that would be miserable. But in any event, yeah, I I really we should probably talk about their money situation, too, which is uh, which is pretty limited going forward. Yeah, I I don't want to you know, we're not getting all the way into an offseason preview, but Minnesota has a lot of committed salary for 2020 slash 21, even with Evan Turner and Alan Crabb expiring. The big infl- decision that they have to make in 2020, this offseason, is Malik Beasley. They acquired him and Hernan Gomez as a part of the Robert Covington trade. And I don't know who's going to be driving up the price on Beasley, but if you give him, even if it's like low-end starter money, that combined with the 30-plus million owed to Towns and Russell, and the possibility of the cap not rising as much as we would have otherwise anticipated due to due to COVID-19, then they might be pretty locked in for a couple of years, though they don't really have a ton of flexibility anyway. No, and this has not traditionally been a free agent destination either. This offseason, they will be right on the borderline. I mean, and then again, this is assuming that the cap is and the luxury tax are where they were before that could could maybe use the full mid-level exception they might be able to get a decent player at that position and then the year after that assuming they don't take on any further commitments they could have about 18 million if they lose their draft pick oh no yeah that actually doesn't doesn't account for their draft pick in 2021 so so yeah they could have about 18 million in space but that's uh probably not a ton right now i mean and, and there really aren't any big salaries for them to move i mean between towns and russell you're at th- 60 million already and so as long as those two guys are on the team they don't really project to have significant space unless they're just completely gutting the entire rest of the team so what, what just uh you know 30 second summary here what's the, your plan for them i mean best try to get defense and shooting on the wings maybe another 
another ball handler for the rotation who can maybe has the upside to potentially play some alongside Russell and Towns. Uh, but more complimentary pieces retain Beasley as long as the as long as the cost is reasonable and be an entertaining team that scores a bunch but gives up a bunch too. Yeah, I know you're hoping that they go into next year with uh, Jordan McLaughlin as the primary backup point guard, so you can refer to their bench unit as the McLaughlin Group. That, a, that would be exciting. A, a very a very relevant re- uh, reference to most of our listenership, I, I'm sure. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think free agency, especially if they're talking about bringing back Hernan Gomez and Beasley, you know, maybe they don't even have room for the mid-level. And that's one of the big questions they have to answer is what they're willing to pay for those guys. They may be helped by the current market in terms of retaining them. They could be hurt if there's a drop in the cap and the tax. And, you know, maybe, maybe your Jay Crowder's that type of player could come in and give them a little bit of a boost on the wing but there's still even not that many jay crowders out there you know you right. think he'd probably want to go somewhere you know your your gr3s your those kind of guys don't seem uh that plentiful and then they may not have the money to sign them and then those guys might not want to go there and so it seems like they'll probably focus uh, they don't really have anything at the four either outside of hernan gomez right now i don't know how they're going to get a player like that so it seems like they're pretty committed in terms of bringing back Hernan Gomez and Beasley and we'll just we're gonna see what that team looks like next year I think they'll be fun to watch but you know with the I mean how I see no way this team's defense gets out of the 20s next year I mean maybe opponent shooting luck but (laughs) (laughs) yeah um okay who's next let's go to Oklahoma City Sam Presti I I think the biggest challenge that he has to deal with is identification of where is this team and where are they going i mean this was a stunning i I don't know i don't think that's i don't think that's that hard i think that's pretty clear to me at least well how it manifests so i mean they have Danilo Gallinari is the high, highest profile free agent they have. And also, maybe there is a market for Chris Paul. When I did the Knicks Q&A for, uh, with, with Mike at the Athletic New York, he asked me about the Knicks trading for Paul, which is a, a possibility. Maybe Leon Rose, you know, if he's still in and Scott Perry are in win-now mode. And that makes it a more important decision because, to me, if OKC can— get positive value or something even close to that with Chris Paul being owed 40 41.4 million next year 44.2 million the year after that and then go all the way into a rebuild I think that's the right decision but that is hard to swallow when the team is currently the shocking fifth seed in the Western Conference yeah and I've talked about this before that if there had were not going to be a playoffs still a possibility but looking more more likely that there will be of course now if there were not going to be a playoffs that would be tough for these guys because of the optics of hey you had this really good team that was the fifth seed and if you wanted to trade people or let people go now you're you're breaking that up whereas if they suffered a convincing playoff defeat which is what I believed at least before the hiatus would happen obviously if their injuries or other news comes out as the bubble restarts I'm reserved the right to change my opinion on that then it becomes easier to sell that you're not going to stick with this team but I, I think Presti ultimately is not that worried about the optics I I think that the league's financial landscape which I expect to change in some way is going to make it much harder to trade Chris Paul now with just that massive massive salary and that's a great you know, point perhaps they'll be yeah go ahead sorry no I said that's a great point yeah and you know, perhaps that will mean that some team could get him cheaply and seize him as the piece that's going to get you over the top perhaps that will mean that Giannis resigns and then one of these 2021 cap space teams will decide that having Paul's salary for 21-22 like say Miami isn't the end of the world and Paul maybe could be a difference maker for them so 
I'm uh we don't know how the the league's financial landscape is going to change and what kind of reduction if any there's going to be in the cap and the tax but you would imagine and especially when you also just have teams that are probably going to be trying to just simply reduce expenses due to lost revenue that trading Chris Paul is probably going to be harder now uh and Gallo again maybe they bring him back because his market is negatively impacted but maybe they just don't want to pay him the money either so uh, it there's uh Dennis Schroeder is the other guy who might have some trade value on this team I would highly recommend that they sell high on him especially because I think he's I would consider him maybe the favorite for six man in like the actual media voting this year not certainly not my voting um well, so, so I, something I think else, the playbook still yeah something else yeah, to mention sorry, so on, on that, that on thought. on the trade yeah. market front yeah. is OKC really doesn't have much on their books beyond next season you know Paul's 44.2 million notwithstanding Adams and Schroeder will be unrestricted that summer. Ferguson will be restricted, but I don't think anybody's beating down the Thunder's door to make him a crazy offer sheet. And yeah. let's see if he gets his usage over ten percent. Exactly, and so that it could be a circumstance where Presti just plays it out a little. Long. You know, like if you could get value for those guys, absolutely do it. But if you can't, then do something close to run it back, just because you get. But but try to avoid giving long-term contracts that are negative value. And what I think is most striking, kind of why I said it's the inflection point, is let's look three years from now. Let's focus more a little bit on that. If we're drawing out the core then, to me, you have Shea. And I, I think of Shea as like a an above, a, a potentially like an above average starter, but not like an all NBA player, which is, you know, that that's great for where he was drafted for late lottery. But some people think he's going to be a lot better than that. I worry about his ability, you know, like for a guard, you ha- even if you're capable defensively, it's can you create shots for yourself and others? He can do that, but can he do that at the level where he's like the leader of the offense? I'm not there yet, but he's young. He can get better. But for me with OKC, the bigger part of the story is also, that I don't love a lot of the other stuff they have around him. So Diallo, eh, Nader, Burton, uh, Baisley. Yeah, I, I don't see anyone as like a lock future rotation player out of that group. Yeah. One of them will probably emerge just due to probability, but... But it's yeah, but there's, but there's, the it's bigger... Like, you're right. Like, rotation player is a threshold, but it's also yeah. starters. You know, starters, ideally you want like guys that could provide really reliable positives and then you can build around that with free agency and the draft and everything else. And that's the other reason why I would more aggressively consider moving Chris Paul if I were Sam Presti is they're going to need to build up the talent base. And they do have a diversified draft pick portfolio with the, the selections from the Clippers. Because remember, the Clippers picks aren't just the Clippers picks too. They traded, uh, they, I believe it was a Miami pick in there and a couple other things. Um, but And the picks from, from Houston in the Westbrook deal. But you, it's especially if, it, if a f- team is not hasn't historically been a free agent destination and they have not historically then the way of building the talent up once they get to that point where that's what they're gonna do it's it's largely gonna be through the draft and they have a lot of work to do they can do it i have full faith that they can sam presley's done it before but remember how many picks they had that were high in the draft that they nailed to build that base yeah, I mean, they had arguably the greatest three-season drafting run in NBA history, especially when you're talking about just teams using their own picks. 
I agree with you. I mean, it's kind of Shea and whatever else they're going to get. They also have Steven Adams as well. And I think one way in which the league's financial landscape could help them, and maybe Chris Paul becomes more tradable. Now, I mean, again, we just, there's so many reasons to think that the new financial landscape could affect things to make these guys more or less tradable. But one reason they might be more tradable is just teams trying to get off of long-term money. They may be more concerned about that. Again, just from a purely financial perspective to try and get their books in order, especially teams that aren't necessarily competitive. You know, you can see those teams and there is still the minimum salary, but you know, you've got about a 30 to $35 million. Well, you could think about like Orlando with Al Farouk Aminu, where they're paying him 9.7 million and and then 10.2. Like it would be worthwhile for them to just clear some of that off their books. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, it would be Schroeder for Aminu and Terrence Ross and Terrence Ross. Yeah. Like that, that sort of a trade. And maybe you get a first round pick in that deal. And, you know, Schroeder in theory could help uh, Orlando as a shot creator. I mean, I don't think he would necessarily that much, but uh, that's what other teams seem to think of him. And so that sort of trade may be much more palatable now to teams that really are just trying to get off of some of this money. And uh, OKC, they, the other type of trade they could make too is either you trade these guys who can play to take on longer term money and vaporize your 2021 or uh, they won't have anything in 2021 but 20 or 2022 cap space um no sorry they will have they will have money in 2021 they won't have money this offseason uh and then or of course just at that time you can save that cap space and try to take on money for that summer so i i think it's uh and they are going to continue playing the asset game it's not going to look quite like the process sixers because i think they'll always be better than those teams they're not going to suck that badly and it doesn't make sense to suck that badly anymore under the new lottery rules but this is they got this gravy of this really good year but i would if you give sam Presti some truth serum i would guess that the overall plan hasn't changed at all due to the unexpected successes anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Laker. Let's go to the Utah Jazz. The if the season ended today, OKC's for theoretical first round opponent. To me, their core, you know, the the kind of the tier one would be Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. The, both of those players, as of right now, would be free agents in the summer of 2021. Both of them will be extension eligible for significant contracts. Not the same because they have a different durations in the league and. Then, you know, probably Bogdan, I would say probably Bogdanovich is the, is the next down. They also have Royce O'Neal signed for three additional seasons after this year due to that extension, then a partial guarantee for a fourth. So the Jazz are, I mean, it kind of feels like they're somewhat locked in, and Con- I assume Connolly's going to not exercise his ETO, meaning he will play on that option for next season at $34.5 million. Uh, Yeah, you know, I think, I, think he, uh, I think he might do that. And, and so m- my question to you is, First of all, I, I think we have an agreement on that core. Is where does that where does that go, and how much flexibility do the Jazz have to build around that core beyond what they already have committed to? Yeah, they should have room for the full mid level. They can offer a wing player some pretty decent playing time, and you can argue that their struggles with their bench this season were a, a big reason why they weren't quite at the level that some people hoped they would be but they also would in theory have to re-sign jordan clarkson who i think was an important part of what they're doing they do need one more score and shot creator uh, on this team going forward i mean they've got basically everyone coming back except for him that's uh that's relevant for next year so and we'll see whether financial constraints mean that they can use the full mid level and bring back clarkson or whether that's an either or proposition but i don't really see much more in the cabinet here because they've got this pick that they still owe to memphis that probably goes in 2022 um because it's uh, essentially it's protected 8 through 14 through 2021 and so that makes it hard to trade another pick but most likely the first pick that they could trade would be in 2024 yeah i, I mean they could trade their pick in either of the next they could trade their pick after it is made in the 2020 draft. Yeah. So that might be a potential avenue for improvement, you know, player plus... So, but they, so maybe you use like Ed Davis's filler salary there and try to get somebody. But again, they don't have, they don't have filler salary unless they're willing to move on from Ingles. Yeah, and Davis he makes about five million that goes through next year. We thought that would be a, a good contract, but he really struggled this year and lost that backup center job to Tony Bradley. Um, yeah, like this team. I mean, they made their play for Conley. Now with Bogdanovich being out, there the chance that they might coalesce into a huge playoff threat it seems low and and they're kind of at this crossroads here where yeah you know you're probably looking like you're gonna be in the sixth third through sixth seed range every year but it doesn't seem like this team quite has the ceiling um and it's not like they have young players other than yeah. Mitchell who you think can really exceed you know like if a Mie Oni or Juwan Morgan you know like somebody somebody could really elevate into like an above average starter or something like that maybe maybe that could get there but they they don't really have a lot of a lot of those guys and Moutier is an unrestricted free agent I also don't think he has that kind of upside that was part of the appeal presumably of Dante Exum was that maybe he could be a lot better than he has been so far and now he's in Cleveland of course so so the other challenge for, and this isn't going to be a full offseason preview for the Jazz, is we've talked about how it's going to be hard for them to, to to improve beyond this. Maybe they're happy with that. Being a perennial playoff team that has a chance to win a series or two every year is not a bad place to be. But 
they have these twin extension negotiations that could be going on with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert this offseason. Mitchell will, you know, as of right now, you know, like you could come to an agreement for, let's say, theoretically his max, maybe the concession you get a la Carl Anthony Towns is a fifth year that is not a player option. That would, and in Donovan Mitchell's case, as unless I, he's not going to be qualified as of right now for the designated rookie, meaning the 30% max, though they could theoretically, were he interested, put in language that if Mitchell becomes an All-NBA player, then he can get somewhere all of that money. This happened in the case of Joel Embiid. Yeah, so so that, that they would put that in, and then if he meets that criteria, his salary gets bumped up a, a little bit. That'll be part of the negotiation, the player option. But he's going to get the max for sure. I don't think it's going to take very long uh, for him but, and, to And so with Mitchell, though, he has a... So his cap hold is 15.6 million for 2021 without an agreement which is significantly less than he will make however the jazz would have to actually be in position to use cap space that year to actually reap that benefit and if they're going to retain gobert it seems unlikely that they would so in that case sometimes you you re-sign the player even though it is a little bit of risk mitigation on the player side rather than the team side just to keep him happy that's more important and you're not really losing out on much other than the like downside risk i guess yeah they're in really a difficult situation here and you know there's this there's a report that people around the jazz were like kind of getting a little sick of rudy gobert that he like wanted to be scoring more and then of course uh, this issue where uh, he was lax about the coronavirus uh, and joking around and then uh, he came down with it everyone knows what happened there so the question uh, with him he's going to be 29 in the summer of 2021 we've talked about some of the extension negotiations that could occur there the options he will be eligible for a designated player veteran extension uh, i think there's very little chance that he gets that unless it's something along the lines of a starting at 30 percent and decreasing or staying flat or some non-guarantees on the end something like that but it, it, i think he makes 26 million next year more likely to me is just the fact that he you could just use a regular extension for him that wouldn't go out as long but the question might be that you know he's a again a, a proud guy he might be upset that they didn't offer him the most that they possibly could which they're just i mean they're not going to do it they're not going to offer him a five-year deal at starting at 35 percent of the cap with max raises i mean he's not going to get 250 million um and i think he slipped just a little bit this year still a very good player but if you're talking about his age 29 through 33 seasons do you want to lock into that if you're the jazz and that's why not having bogdanovich this year now really hurts uh, but so but here's the question to me danny if they don't lock in to go bear I mean, what's the alternative you're basically just building a whole new team around donovan mitchell i don't know if he is that good on his own to make you a contender so what i'm gaming out is the theoretical mass rebuild for the for the jazz and this doesn't include this doesn't include holds for roster spots and all that but they could be looking at as much as like 55 million in the summer of 2021 if they let both gobert and Conley go but the big question there is who the hell are you going to get with that 55 million and you have to basically build a team they'd have bogdanovich ingles royce o'neill and mitchell around 
around that core and then you 55 million you could get a lot of good players with that but remember a lot of teams are presumably going to have cap space also that cat number might drop so they could retool and get significantly younger and maybe you you know take some of those resources the center position is oversupplied so spend a little bit less there spend a little bit more on something else but you have to get players to commit find find everything out and they're going to be good enough presumably that they're not going to be able to add those young players we talked about through the draft unless you just nail pick in the 20s yeah when you have mitchell and snyder you're you know you might miss the playoffs but you're probably not going to be right up there at the top uh, absent uh, some lottery luck so yeah i don't really know where they go i mean they made their play i think they made the right move this offseason going all in but uh, conley just wasn't quite the difference maker we hoped he would be and then you know to the extent that there is still some upside for this group it's likely gone now with uh, the demise of bogdanovich and you know they'll still have this whole team back next year they can see what happens happens next year i mean i i think if i were them unless gobert really comes cheap on an extension i probably would hold off i think uh and so does that mean it, if you're leaning that way on gobert does that mean you're a little more reluctant on mitchell or do you just say make him happy doesn't matter yeah that one because yeah i i think so because you're not if you're keeping gobert i mean you're thinking if you keep gobert well, my logic you is if you if you're not sure space. you're going to keep Gobert, then that extra ten plus million in cap space could matter. Well, even if you are going to keep him, then it could matter. I, see, I think if you're going to keep him, the cap space matters more. Interesting. If you're not going to keep him, then you're not going to be any good anyway. You're not going to use that cap space to sign an impact player. If you bring back Gobert for like you know twenty six, twenty seven million, then you could have about thirty million or so in space. You also could move on from Ingles or Bogdanovich, really uh, open up a little bit more. But as you mentioned you still have a lot of your team to fill out that way so i I don't know i I think the pattern has been especially small market teams that they just lock these guys up yeah um i might roll the dice especially because i don't see donovan mitchell as oh man he's like Kawhi leonard he's gonna be mad that we didn't extend him until you know to try and use the cap space thing and, and he's gonna leave in four years i mean that's to me is not the end of the world like he's not that type of a superstar but they and i think they also though they may not see it that way because of what happened with gordon hayward where they they kind of nickeled and dimed him in the extension negotiations and then in restricted free agency as well they made him go out and get an offer sheet they wouldn't do that to donovan mitchell as long as he's playing the way that we're talking about so perhaps you could soothe his feelings i think you really would have to feel it out though and feel out what the extension negotiations are like with gobert but i think if you're starting to feel like hey our our plan is we're not going to bring rudy back then i think you go ahead and extend mitchell if you are going to bring rudy back then maybe your only way to get better is by using cap space to bring in another starter in the summer of 2021 so at that point you perhaps hold off on extending mitchell unless he wants to go with a little bit less it give you some kind of a discount so it's it's all going to be the, the two are so intertwined despite the fact that they've uh, had some friction and despite the fact that gobert might be on the downside here um and just the lack of information that they're going to get well, about these two guys together the other, is tough the other inflection point here clarification point for their front office dennis Lindsay at all is what kind of an extension gobert is willing to even consider if he if you can tell that he's being extremely aggressive then you could assume that he might be wanting to do the same in free agency maybe he's looking for more of a centerpiece role you know that 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 stuff about scoring more and and so i think they're like we we probably won't know a lot of it unless it gets leaked but i think that Lindsay will have more information about what gobert is thinking in terms of free agency and let's say they say for whatever and i would agree with this that anything above the 30 percent 
max is off the table. So then they're then if essentially they're offering the maximum they're offering is pretty similar money to what anybody else can offer. And they could have a, a decent idea of whether he is like, where do they stand relative to other teams? Is he even willing to give them a discount at all? Is he does he want to go somewhere else? Because all of that is useful. I'm not saying you trade him. I, I, I think that it would. Well, well, can we talk about that? Sure. Potentially trading him? If you think he's leaving, I mean, especially because right now, as, as I was very bullish on the Jazz and there were moments in time where I thought that they looked better. They looked not quite as good as I thought, but as as good as they looked interesting. I would say if that that it, it seems exceedingly unlikely that they're going to be an NBA Finals team next season. Like even notwithstanding the the Bojan Bogdanovic injury, and he'll be fine by the playoffs. Hopeful, like you know all that. I mean, he's going to be ready reportedly by the start of next regular season. So this gets into the same conversation. That's the same type of team they are. So I would say if you're this. You you might get into kind of a Tobias Harris situation where if you're not comfortable giving Gobert his next contract, maybe you trade him to somebody who might be for whatever reason. I'm trying to think of who might be interested in him and and what kind of a package. Um, Boston certainly could use someone like Rudy Gobert. Matching salary is tough for them, but conceptually, sure. <laughs> what if they traded Gordon Hayward back to you? Oh, my God. Uh, I, yeah. With like um, the Memphis pick or something. Um, yeah. I mean, that Memphis pick doesn't look that that amazing, right? I, I mean, I think you know it would have to be two very good first round picks. Uh, I think, and you know, you're trading Gobert to go to a good team, but I mean, the, think of some of these potential options: Boston, Brooklyn, Golden State. Rudy Gobert would be very interesting on the Clippers. Just don't really have the future capital. I don't think he could be very interesting in well Memphis. Gobert is also. I think that he has potential for the 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 Serge Ibaka type of deal where Rob Hennigan you know I, I wrote about this a little bit over the uh, last couple weeks like a GM that is desperate to keep their job thinks that he could elevate them a lot and even though it's not what we think would be a good idea for that franchise gets a, somebody gets a little bit antsy and and gives up something of value I could absolutely see that happening for Gobert where he's well, you know one of the one of the best players just pure players that is actually theoretically gettable on the market and so maybe that leads to an offer that we don't see coming but make kind of makes sense for the jazz yeah and we'll see what happens in the playoffs this year and i'm sure they'll try to have the extension negotiation with him but yeah if it seems like it's not going to work then maybe you do trade him and you would want to trade him more than six months before uh yeah you'd want to do it relatively early so that he could sign a normal extension with his new team yeah, because uh, the extended, yeah. well, I mean, the extended trade rules might be loose enough depending on where, but again, if he were willing to accept something like that, then the Jazz probably wouldn't be trading him. Well, and also if he gets traded, he might like that new situation. That yeah, things, sure. He might realize that this team sees it the same way. That the, that would be very interesting. But yeah, I, I because I don't think they're going to be a championship contender next year. And the idea would be, we've got Donovan Mitchell. We're just going to be a little bit worse for a couple of years. And we're just going to try and, and rebuild around him but it's this is such a tough place to be when you've shot your shot to try to be a championship contender it looks like it hasn't worked this was supposed to be the good year with Conley now Bogdanovich is out maybe you could convince yourself that they could get into position next year they're out of future pick it's it's really a tough call and then there's the interpersonal aspects uh, with Gobert as well all right we, that was a long time on the Jazz but I, I thought that was fascinating let's uh let's talk about Portland here Portland's situation is even more challenging but not in a way that is 
as as interesting because their two best players are locked into salary uh, contracts through the 23-24 season. Then Damian Lillard has, you know, projected, we don't know where the cap's going to be for the last year, something around a $54.3 million player option for 24-25. That contract like goes off of my my sheet. Yeah, I I, I think I originally had to extend my sheet to fit his contract in. Um, But... Um, Well, well, can, can I give you a framing here for these guys? Yes. I think I think they're actually over the next between now and next season's trade deadline. I think it's very straightforward. You just do everything you can to make it work with this group. I think that yeah. that seems like hope, hope that Nurkic uh, comes back a hundred percent and yeah. that he, you know, that that the margin between him and Whiteside, you know, that that helps bring you a lot of the way back. And they something that John Hollinger got into in his piece for the Athletic on Thursday was a potential cap drop. He used 109. I used 107 when I did my piece a couple weeks ago. Uh, What that might do for Portland is encourage them to stay over the cap. Then they could retain Trevor Reza at 12.8 million and use the mid-level exception. They could still stay under the cap. They also have a, a, a trade exception from Baysmore. Maybe they can get somebody with that. And we had been excited about them as a potential, like, you know, low-end cap space team. Maybe they could get a different starter, but, and that's a possibility, but I think you're right that it'll probably be whatever it is, whether it's cap space or Ariza plus MLE, it's just be as, be, try to be the best you can for another couple of years. And then maybe in like the summer of 22, you start thinking about other things. Yeah, and maybe even if they have this year that they just had again next year, then maybe you start to think about making some moves at the 2021 trade deadline to either rebuild or, you know, CJ or Dame could finally get broken up a little bit. Yeah, I think this this team is maybe the one that's most hurt by a drop in the cap because they could, you know, if they wanted to just like stretch Rodney Hood or something like that, you know, they could have actually gotten up to more space than the mid-level exception, which could have been some really important buying power for this team that's if they had moved on from Ariza now as you mentioned I think it's more likely that they hold on to him and we'll see whether he has anything left or not is Nasir Little going to be able to evolve some of their younger guys those will be questions for next year but yeah I mean this is like you really I mean I'm sure that if they are solidly in the playoff mix next year that they'll just continue to tinker around the edges of their core which is Nurkic, Lillard and McCollum and then we'll see what happens next year and the other big thing that that Olshay needs to be thinking about is their recent first round draft picks are getting closer to needing new contracts so Zach Collins will be extension eligible this offseason Anthony Simons in 21 and then Little that's far off in 22 but with Collins he's to me the biggest challenge because it's where does he fit in the rotation I mean the idea originally before he dealt with injuries last year and then Nurkic wasn't available at all during the during the season was to play Collins at power forward next to a big man maybe they'll get enough information on that next year hopefully Nurkic and Collins are both healthy enough to play but they you know like for Olshay to make that decision now I think that's another reason why you kick the can down the road is just to get more time to evaluate 
And with Simons, it's what the hell is his role on this team moving forward? Yeah, third guard, you would think, hopefully plays next to either Lillard or McCollum. Um, yeah, and Collins would be interesting because uh, I think what the fate of Nurkic is going to be yes. huge to try and figure that out. And they need something else at the four. So are you going to maybe, and Collins is, you probably go into next year thinking Collins starts at the four and is also your backup center. But maybe they could try to make a play example for Danilo Gal in a sign and trade they could uh and i mean i don't know if they would put collins in that deal you know would you do a zach collins and yeah i mean i guess they wouldn't uh, yeah they would probably have to guarantee ariza and maybe they could do a first round pick ariza and rodney hood for gallo that would be hilarious actually be the second time gallo got signed and traded to get like a 20 million dollar a year contract because um, i assume that's well and where for okc's perspective would they at. wouldn't be taking on any salary beyond that year they could also theoretically use hood and ariza as we talked about what feels like an hour ago to, to add long-term salary um yeah that would be it, it was an hour ago yeah to, yeah that'd be that'd be an interesting <laughs> idea gallo I, I think gallo would do would make a big difference for the blazers too and yeah that would be a pretty and, and pretty difficult to stop offense and then you've got collins as your backup center so so that's taken care of um they still would need a little more depth on the wing but they would hope that little it could come when you could you, you use the, use the mid-level gonna, exception maybe re-sign mellow at the you know minimum or near there oh yeah mellow's on i i wouldn't recommend they could re-sign but, caleb uh, swan again mellow is a huge reason why their defense was so atrocious <laughs> this year but yeah that's um there's certainly other players that they could look at in that range i mean just getting a james ennis type those sorts of players would be gr3 like they'll have playing time on the wing but i I think the i've always felt like gallo just made a ton of sense for this team and well especially in a drop back scheme where do you could I, I think that Gallo as the four or three, you know, as a forward in that in that it works well because you're not asking him to do some of the other stuff. If you were them, would you trade a few, lotto protected future first rounder for Danilo Gallinari? Yeah, I think I would. That yeah, that moves them up well. like that. You could potentially host a playoff series, be a really be a really fun team. They're not out any first in the future, and if it's lotto protected, then the the risk of it becoming some you know like real changing like life changing pick that seems unlikely. Yeah, and maybe that gets you back to if not championship contention at least you know in contention for hosting a first round playoff series and i don't think gallo you know probably be like a two or a three-year deal if it's if he if he will only take that money for four then that's probably too much to commit to especially with the financial incentive. yeah that's also well wait, wait too much long-term money to commit to for the blazers r.i.p paul allen it could be. I mean, if they're if they're going to yeah. sell, like, I, but see, the, the, that there's always that question of like teams tearing down before they sell. But the Blazers can't really do that. They've committed to their main players, and anything else wouldn't be a teardown. Yeah, there's always the thought of trading McCollum. To me, trading him makes a lot more sense now because the back end of his contract is so ugly that if you can reorient a, a little bit and move him. Well, that would be good. I mean, I, 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 I liked. I've, and I like McCall yeah. a lot, but I don't think that he is vital. You know, like that. That if you if you put in a replacement level starter at the two, they will be materially worse, but it won't it won't like sabotage their viability. Well, presumably they'd get something for him exactly as well. Although the those kind of trades where it's a good player for a good player, those are tough to make. Mm-hmm. It's usually a good player for some future asset. But yeah, I think I, they clearly, with the, the plan for this team, I mean, that, that'd be a pretty damn good 
top four guys they still would have a, a gaping hole at the three and they wouldn't be able to stop anybody probably but they could use the terry stotts magic they'd still have nurkic back there they're, they'd probably their regular season defense could probably be passable and they'd get cooked in the playoffs but they'd also be one of the best offensive teams i mean they might be the best offensive team in the regular season if they could add gallo who's, uh, uh there's also the health issue there's uh how much uh, uh how big his contract would have to be but i don't think there are a bunch of teams lining up to give gallo more than three years this offseason i agree three years 60 million be tough to believe that it'd go much beyond that you ready to move on to the last team the denver nuggets yeah this is uh, another one where it's I mean, we've talked about so many of these teams, I and mean, this is a, a good division of teams that are clearly in the playoff mix. But the Nuggets are younger than some of those teams. I think they themselves, at least, would believe that there is some upside to explore with this group. I, I think where we have to start, I know this is a longer-term plan, but this is a big part of the long-term plan, is just what happens at the power forward position. I talked about this a lot with Morris, actually, when we did that pod. Uh, so if you are uh, you haven't listened to that and you're really interested in the short-term for the Nuggets, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But just to summarize here, where the, the tax was supposed to be, they were looking at about $35 million in space below the tax, and and they've got Millsap, Mason Plumley, possibly Jeremy Grant if he opts out of his 9.3 million, and Tory Craig, all his free agents uh, at that four spot. And then, of course, they have Michael Porter potentially coming back, although maybe they see him as their starting three going forward. I was more hopeful for Jeremy Grant as a, as a fit next to Jokic. You know, offensively, I thought that there were there was he's not a perfect jump shooter he's a little bit more reluctant than i like but you know he he, they, he he also hasn't played that much with Jokic. right i mean that's part of part of why his number <laughs> and that's a part of why his on his on off stuff was so disastrous this year which yeah. is really interesting but also i mean i talked about the idea of having a more burly guy next to Jokic who can take on some of the traditional center responsibilities as a rim protector that or or just if you're having gallo or sorry having Jokic hedge then you have somebody around the basket who can who can provide a little bit more resistance and Grant is a different type of defender, and I thought it was a worthy a worthy gamble to see how that worked. But I also agree with you that they didn't spend enough time really exploring that to see if it worked or it didn't work. I like Millsap as a fit. I worry about how he's going to age, and this, the rest of this Nuggets team is so young they don't they don't really have a lot of bites at this apple. But. I still think Millsap is, is their is their best option, and the Nuggets are competitive right now. I don't think they're gonna. Yeah, the, Millsap kind of screams like one year deal. To yes, me, where they pay him more than he could get anywhere else, and he comes. Yeah, it's back. it's similar to me is... with what New Orleans should do with Derek Favors. Give him give yeah. him one year, give him more money than other places. Do the sales pitch of you get to go out in 2021 when a lot of their teams are gonna have more flexibility. We'll know where things are, and let's run it back. And I, I think that's the I think that's the right play. And if he doesn't take that, then I guess you have to you you have to move on unless it's you get some sort of reasonable thing for two years or so. Yeah, maybe you could get a non guarantee on the end of that too, potentially. But but here's the issue though: is even in that one year deal, and especially if the tax goes down, are you now potentially impacting your ability to bring bring back Grant? And then also, if you were to somehow bring back Grant and Millsap, then what do you do at backup center? And are you stifling Porter's development too much? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great a great point, and I'd love to have a, a, another a defensive wing, uh, like with the mid level exception. Using the MLE gets harder the more money you spend on everything else. I mean, maybe their billionaire owners could just consider paying the luxury tax for a year or two, but we we know we know how these things often work. That that, that seems uh, less likely. It does, um, but uh, so I was gonna, here here. I where yeah, do you think? Sorry, I have, I have one more uh, uh, thing I wanted. Are you are you totally changing the subject? Or are you, no, uh, not entirely. Um. I know I, I I know you and you and Maris talked about this a little bit, but Michael Porter, let's say two years from now, like his ideal role on this team defensively, is it more like maybe like Bogdanovich and O'Neal, where you have him on the worst defensive for or the worst offensive forward of the two for the other team, or do you see it as kind of more complicated than that? I mean, yeah, who's he going to guard? Like the, his defensive fit with Jokic definitely is bothersome. I mean, he, he's flashed some rim protection at times, but he can't really move his feet out of the perimeter or get through a screen very well. He would have to undergo a massive transformation defensively. So that makes it tough. I mean, you could kind of transition back to being an offensive team. But they could be a the damn thought, good offensive and, and, team if that's if that's the direction they yeah. want to pivot. There's also the health concerns with him. Yes. Uh, and Adam talked about maybe there's a chance of them seeing him as a three in the long term. And maybe what you might consider doing is trying to move on from Gary Harris, get some depth that's not signed as long, or maybe you know save a few million bucks towards the luxury tax, you know, move Harris to you know, maybe a team like the Hawks would be interested in him and just taking him into space or bringing someone back who makes less money. And then you would just go with Barton at the two, Porter as your three, Grant or Millsap at the four. And maybe maybe what you would do too is you could bring back Millsap and Grant and just punt on backup center or just have some minimum guy and just let those guys be together in the front court mm-hmm. on some backup units. That'd be interesting. Um, so here's something that I, I brought up to Morris that I want to get your thoughts on. Selling high on Michael Porter to and he might be at least given his reputation. They've they've done a great job, by the way. I think of pumping him up. And letting him show just enough flashes, but maybe not play enough where his flaws would be shown too much. Just, oh, we've got all this great depth for a contending team. So, like, it, it kind of, you've got plausible deniability about why you're not playing him more. And he looks like he could be an awesome scorer. He is perceived to have this unbelievable upside. The centerpiece, using him as the centerpiece of a trade for another star or a very good player, maybe that's how they really push all their chips in. Rather, because of you've got these fit issues between Porter and Jokic on the defensive end there's the injury risk with porter yeah he could continue to blow up but there's also a chance that he just either gets hurt or gets exposed defensively in a larger role and so maybe trying to trade him for you know i wouldn't if it's drew holiday i probably wouldn't include him if it's bradley beal yeah sign me up i'll trade michael porter for bradley beal in a second that's that's kind of how i'd be approaching it with him this might seem like a strange place to start but i want to start with jamal murray and there's a very specific reason why if the the Nuggets have a star in Jokic unambiguously whether he's you know like an MVP candidate we're gonna have to see that a little bit but he's he's damn good and he's first team all NBA all that to me you need to have a really strong number two to be a viable team for not only a championship but a legitimate shot of making the finals that kind of that kind of discussion you can make a conference finals without without that next guy and one of the big takeaways for me from this past year has just been that I'm less confident Jamal Murray is that guy he is he's talented he still has a lot of room to grow there were things that I liked about his 2019-20 season but I'm less confident that he's that guy and to me if it's not Jamal Murray 
then it's either Michael Porter Jr. or who you trade Michael Porter Jr. for. And because it's not Gary Harris, it's not any of the other guys. And so that to me puts a really high threshold on a theoretical board trade. I'm never going to say never because if a team makes a stupid overvaluation, then by all means. But my instinct is as much as it's a a real roll of the dice. And I think that Porter due to health, due to the poor fit with Jokic defensively, there are there, there's a distinct chance that it just absolutely fails and that it doesn't work. It doesn't work as well. He doesn't fit in with the team. But I still remember him at the Hoop Summit. I still remember the guy who was leaps and bounds better than everybody that I, else that I saw there and think if there's a chance that he brings that back, there's a chance that he's the best player from that draft class, that that's Denver's path. That's their best way to get to the, that level if that's what ownership and management wants. And so I, it would take something really strong right now for me to give up on that possibility. And I, I love Drew Holiday. He's, you know, I've, I've hyped him up for years, but he's not that type of guy. He's more, he, he would make them better, but he makes them into a more likely conference finals team, not really a more likely champion. And there are different ways to define success, maybe being in the playoffs every year or something. But I, I, I would say it's high, it's higher than somebody like Drew Holiday. And that might mean you have to give up other good players in the deal. But if that's the way it has to happen, that's the way it has to happen. All right, I think that's uh, about all I've got on these guys. Um, and they still have enough young players where they could just keep this group together. That seems like the more likely approach. Yeah, and I mean, so how are you feeling right now? This is one other kind of, we're talking about their young core. They dumped Wancho and Malik Beasley for that Houston first round pick. It's going to be a late first in the 2020 draft class. How are how are you feeling about that now from Denver's perspective? They got rid of two guys that were going to be expensive but could play basketball for some some spending flexibility and a pick that's going to take a while to materialize unless they trade it with somebody else for a, a, a current player. Yeah, I think it was the right move, especially with the emergence of Porter. Hernan Gomez was going to be superfluous. They had all these other guys at power forward. Beasley just wasn't going to fit into their salary structure. Again, they just needed to pay guys at power forward rather than a backup shooting guard who's looking for 15 million a year or more what well, the other so part I, is like do they, they, don't, the right they didn't need beasley to make their offense work like I, there are other teams where i think and minnesota might end up being here that that could really benefit from what beasley does but with Jokic and jamal murray i don't think they needed something to goose it from the two like the, what i'm talking about is well, theoretically yeah. sign beasley trade gary harris which theoretically could have been on the table if they had kept him yeah if beasley were a little bit better defensively then i think that would make sense like they do and i mean i think maybe they were a a little bit concerned that he didn't shoot it as well this year but i mean one of the problems on this team to me is that they just don't have enough bombing capability from outside and beasley in theory could have provided that he started providing that when he went to minnesota but minnesota has a much different offensive philosophy now under ryan saunders and gerson rosas than the nuggets have i think that Beasley wasn't going to necessarily reach his potential both because of all the players in front of him the other mouths to feed and then also just because they the thing that he does best which is just jack up a bunch of shots from three which he could be good at uh is just not something that this team has been as focused on and so I, I think it made sense they did fine maybe you could say a couple of years ago you know the Harris extension that maybe they shouldn't have done that but he was playing really well at the time so he's had this mysterious drop off they you could say hey they're gonna have a weakness of the two but they also have Will Barton there who can pop down to play the two he's really a natural two rather than a three so I I think they made the right move there I'm holding on to them and then like playing the restricted free agent game and trying to get them to come back on some low ball offer or the qualifying offer as I mean uh, 
especially Beasley, like Rich Paul probably would have just had him straight up sit out uh, up until the start of next year if he didn't get any offers or those guys might have gotten offers they didn't want to match. I, I think they made the right move. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it it did suck to lose that optionality, you know, that they would have had another path to go to two. But especially if there's a chance that Porter plays the three, then maybe Barton ends up becoming that answer anyway. All right, anything to talk about here before we go? Yeah, uh, Real Jam Radio for this week. It came out on Monday, but I talked with Ben Taylor, somebody that you've spent more time talking with recently than me, but we, we talked about The Last Dance, which was really fun, and Pippin's role, and team building, a lot of that type of stuff. And then I have uh, the part one of my Pelicans conversation with Will Guillory is up at The Athletic, theathletic.com slash capspace. And I have a piece, I don't think it's out yet, probably will come out Thursday afternoon or Friday on the unintended consequences of the Supermax. And so this was inspired by the the piece that I did with Eric Nem about a month ago on Giannis's potential Supermax and about the why it being a five having to be add five new years is a big problem for where players and te- players have gone over the last few years with shorter contracts that it it just became less viable for superstar players and so I talked about that and, and importantly how they could fix it and how how to make potentially make it better to uh, for players like Giannis to be more okay to sign it. All right, that will do it. We'll be back uh, early next week, either Sunday or Monday. I think generally we're going to do Mondays uh, for that first episode of the week, but we wanted to do uh, the last dance of where we came out Sunday last week. And we'll talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.